and welcome. Coming to you back home finally. I'm Josh. And I'm John. And man, this sushi you brought me in your pockets, was it? was uh, pretty delicious. Pocket sushi is pretty good. But this is the Geek ETC Podcast, where we dive into all things you can geek out about. Hello, friend. There you are. Finally, I'm back. I'm back. And I'm excited to have you back, man. It's been a long time. So obviously we haven't been recording primarily because we've had so much going on. I had a class. You were ramping up. We didn't get those mini episodes filled. But now we are back on it again. And the Geeky TC podcast breathes once more. Indeed. Of course, right as we're about to go into some holidays. So it may not be a, you know, perfectly on schedule release schedule, but that's okay. They'll come out when they come out. Yeah. But so, but we'll try to get to them pretty regularly here, though. So obviously Elephant in the Room, one of the things we've been talking about, I think since like episode one, right? Maybe so. Was your trip, your vacation to the land of the rising sun. And you are fresh yes. back and I want to hear all about it. Yes, I am back. I think I'm finally over the jet lag. It kind of seems like it takes about a week to readjust back to the, your your normal times, you know, day and night schedule. And then on top of that, when we came like the time we had the time change here in America while I was gone. So I even came back to a different time. All these, it's like, uh, you, you went back in time really, didn't you? When it you came like, back, like land of the lost. That's right. Uh, I felt like a sleaze stack. So how, how difficult was it with jet lag coming back versus going there? Which did you have more issue? I know you prepped for Japan pretty well, but. Um, so going out there, um, it was it was kind of rough both ways, really. Um, but going out there, we were the the plane ride. That fourteen hour plane ride is was probably the worst part of the whole trip. And you can't sleep on there. You get crap food. It was uncomfortable. You know, there's babies crying. There's people like coughing and stuff, and it's just not. I wasn't able to go to sleep like at all. So, so, and where we were at, our particular seats were up against a wall, so they couldn't lean back. So I couldn't even do that to get comfortable. That stinks. Uh, what was your go-to? Uh, well, first off, what kind of plane were you guys on? Like a like a, I'm assuming a seven forty-seven, yeah, or seven triple seven. We had we had a one stop in the flight, like one uh, uh, connection flight. The first one, it was a it was a small plane. Um, I don't remember. Let me see. Probably like a DC nine or something like that. That's usually what they are for like these. Let's see if I've still got that info right here. Um, well, that doesn't tell on my image I have here. So not sure about that. Um, but it was, it was, it was a small flight on Delta. Um, essentially there in the, in the main cabin, there was like, there was only two rows. There was a row with like two seats on the left and then a row with three seats on the right and then one aisle. So it was kind of a smaller plane. And then when we got to Atlanta and switched over, the other plane was much bigger. It had two aisles and then there was like four seats in the middle and then 
two rows of three on either side. It was it's the one that had like the lounges up front that you could you could uh, pay for, and you could have like your own little room. But those tickets were like thousands of dollars more. So think we were going to do that. I think if I would were to do it, I would just have to save up like an extra for the trip itself, for like the actual being on the plane and get that extra money in there just for the comfort of it all. It, it would have been really nice. Like being like up there, you definitely could have slept. It would have been easy to sleep up there. I'm sure. What but was back where we were? It wasn't. How were you passing time on the plane? We, we watched, um, one movie on the way there and the way back. Um, Listen to some podcasts, actually, some some different things. Um, tried to nap unsuccessfully. Um, they had on, on the, every monitor, they had like a little games you could play. So I played a Texas Hold'em game. And so I beat that and I won going out there and coming back. So that was kind of cool. Very nice. That became my like ritual that I had to at least win a round of that. It'd be cool um, if it was gambling on the plane. Like if everybody was like, putting like their debit card information in you guys oh, yeah, right. for it, especially like in international waters. Like as you guys are flying over, that would be funny. I don't know if they, or you could like do it with Bitcoin or some kind of digital currency or something. Um, yeah, I did some of that. Um, I had downloaded, um, you know, recently I had switched from iPhone over to Android and I, I did that to kind of try it out and stuff. I've never had an Android, but it was, you know, in preparation for this trip that I found it like the main reason why I like it now is that I can download emulators. And so, uh, I played, um, like a Pokemon silver ROM for a good bit of the trip as well, which was really fun. So that was a good way to kill a bunch of time. Yeah. Those emulators are killer. Those are like a fun way to, to play games. I, when my son was in the hospital quite a bit, I was using like, uh, Android-based tablet, and I went back mm. and played Pokemon Blue, right again after not playing it for you know decades, right. But uh, yeah, so having a Game Boy in your pocket is like was pretty helpful. Um, but yeah, that was kind of, and then every now and then, yeah, they'd bring you some little meal thing, which kind of sucked. But eventually, you got there. Yeah, and so and, and that that first night, like we got there, we were just so tired from the flight, and we landed at like five four thirty five o'clock in the evening their time, and so by the time we got all the stuff we needed in the airport and got to our hotel, and kind of figured out some food, it it was like nine nine ten o'clock, and we were like exhausted, like to the point where like the world just starts to feel dizzy. Kind of that, like, almost like you're a little, like, tipsy or something. You, like, move your head, and then the world kind of moves afterwards. And it just felt, like, really dizzy and starting to get out of it. So we just went to sleep. Man, that's the type of, like, exhaustion where everything is just funny as well. Just overly funny, and you can't stop laughing. Those are... It, it would have been for us, but the airport, when we got there, was really hot. And so we were like already from the plane, we were already like hot and sweaty and uncomfortable. So we were both just already kind of like fed up with 
our situation. And so we just wanted to get our, and we were unfortunately kept getting caught behind a bunch of other tourists who hadn't done any research compared to our mountains of research. And so even something as simple as like going to get the little prepaid Suica card, which is like a, a card you use for um, drink machines and like the trains and all the public transit stuff. You just kind of tap, you preload the car with money and you tap it on the uh, um, little readers to pay for things. To get this card is just this little ATM thing there and you go and you click what you need, you put in the money and it spits out the card. And everybody in front of us just could, they were taking like 15 minutes to figure out how to get these cards out of the thing. And we walked up there and we got two of them in probably 30 seconds. Wow. And yeah, it was just because a lot of people were trying to use their cards and stuff. And if they would have looked it up at all, you'd see that it takes cash. So we already had it prepared, had the amounts in hand. And so we just walked up, pressed the button, fed the cash, spit out the card, and we did the other one and we were gone. So talking about your preparation, so what what was like the most helpful preparation you had just for the trip in itself that you guys did prior to, like the jet setting over there? And then like, yeah, your entry into the airport and getting to your hotel and stuff. What do you think, like if you were if you're one of our listeners and you were wanting to go to Japan, what what's something you would tell them to do like first thing? Um Definitely, like, if you've never flown, definitely watch all the, the standard videos of, like, what you can and can't bring through TSA and how to, you know, pack your bags and all that kind of stuff. Like, all that stuff was useful because we don't really have, you know, we didn't really have any experience flying. So that was all good just to get, I'd flown once, but it's good to get reminders of all that kind of stuff and get that all planned out. Um, but doing the, uh, we, we booked the whole trip, you know, on, on one kind of travel thing i think it was expedia we just booked it all in one thing so it was all taken care of um we didn't have to try and with that you know when you um transfer flights and stuff they automatically you know move any checked bags and things so we didn't have to you know uncheck the bag or like get the luggage and then recheck it to go out there stuff which was handy um but yeah like doing that research on those suica cards like and knowing how all that stuff works was super helpful um, figuring out which train to get on from the airport to where our hotel was, was really useful. And we watched videos of people basically like just had a lot of, how, there's a lot of how to Japan travel videos on, you know, the best way to, you know, get to Tokyo from Haneda airport. And so you watch that and they talk about if you're going to this area, hop on this line. If you're going to this part of the city, hop on this line. And they show you where they're at in the airport and stuff. So as soon as we came out, like we knew where it was. In addition to that, we had researched on how to uh, mail. They have luggage delivery services where you can take your check bags or big bags and give it to them and they'll deliver it to your hotel like the next morning. And so we already knew where that was in the third floor of the terminal and like what, what it was. So we just went straight over there and dropped the bags off and got that set so that that would show up the next morning. We also, I pre-reserved um, uh, the pocket Wi-Fi. That's one of the biggest tips, I would say, is get pocket, like some people get the, just the, you know, temporary SIM cards for like their mobile service, but we just got a little pocket Wi-Fi thing 
that wasn't that much and you just you know charge up the it, it, ours looked like another phone like an android phone and so i just charged that up and keep it in my bag we had three gigs to use throughout the day between the two of us but we never even hardly got to one gig because we're only using it for maps um but that was handy the, the pocket wi-fi is great because you can hook multiple devices to it so as long as me and her you know we're within range we're both connected to it and can both use it and you don't have to have two different, you know, SIM cards and all that stuff. Okay, that's pretty interesting. That's a good idea. Um, especially, like, do, did the hotels provide, you know, that's a standard fare here in the United States where got to have Wi-Fi everywhere. It's like, mm. was that standard fare there? Did they have, like, their own hotel Wi-Fi? Yeah, there was a hotel Wi-Fi. It was kind of spotty a lot of the times and not super fast, but it, it, it did the job for what we needed it to do. Like, it definitely was passable for usable and there is lots of wi-fi available throughout japan which you know you would think there'd be but there's lots of little things you say it, there'll be signs posted just public wi-fi or free wi-fi here there's like little like phone booths on the street that have signs that say free wi-fi here and you just get in the phone booth and you've got wi-fi very interesting um so what about getting the currency changed over was that easy did you bring a lot of cash with you because i know japan's a pretty cash-based society they are a pretty cash-based society. And we actually, I don't think we used our card for anything while we were there. Like I used, the only thing I, I used my card for was to get cash out of an ATM. But I didn't exchange any of like my spending money over because I was, I was just going to wait and do it there and kind of see what that was like. My wife, she went and she exchanged like all of what we had saved up for over in cash. So we had a good bit of cash that we went with us and basically just had, she had it like divided into like spending money and transportation and food and like tickets for events or like little parks and things. So she had it all categorized and budgeted out and everything. That's awesome. With, so getting all that cash together and, and doing all that, like when you, how far away from the airport was your hotel? So it was a hour's train ride, train ride away. So was it like on the other side of Tokyo or was it, it's just that's so how long it takes to get Haneda there? Haneda Airport was kind of towards the southern side of Tokyo. And we were kind of in the, a little bit northeast side of it in Asakusa. Um, so, but there's a, a line, the KQ line that runs from the airport and it basically heads north and then it, we actually just had to stay on board the line changes into the Asakusa line and then that just goes right up next to like in the heart of Asakusa kind of near the Sensoji temple which was the Sensoji temple was maybe an eighth of a mile away from our hotel it was like an eight minute walk I think from the uh, train uh, depot to our hotel what kind of hotel did you stay in? It was pretty much a, it, it was technically classified, I think, as like a business hotel. So it's kind of meant for people just kind of coming and going, not staying there really a long time. And we stayed there 20 days. So it, it was pretty small, um, but we made do. It was, it was livable for us while we were there. Um, I, I, the bathroom was kind of small. So, and, and like the area in front of the bed was small enough that like if we were both trying to go one way you know somebody would have to backtrack and get out of the way to let the other person come through and then you could pass 
you couldn't kind of just crawl or you'd have to like flop over on the bed and let him go around. I can picture that with you too, for sure. Yeah. So but the bed itself was the worst part of that. The bed was hard as rock. Yeah. See, that's the thing. Like I've learned that like, that's one of those things you just can't skip on is a good bed. Like you gotta, right. It can make or break a trip or whatever. Like if you're like, when your relaxation coming at the end of the day is like, you lay on a bed and you're like, Oh God. Yeah. Yeah. It, that was rough. And, and like, you could like, you could barely press and you could feel the springs on the thing. So that was definitely like when we go back, which we're, we're going to go back at some point, um, we're definitely going to like read some reviews and, and find the one that just says most comfy bed ever. Well, of course the, you know, sometimes it's fine, like uh, in the eye of the beholder or on the back of the beholder too, though. Cause Everybody's so different with what they feel like. But yeah, hopefully you can find one uh, that's like a real comfy thing. Now, was it like a chain there, like a local chain there or an international chain? No, th- this was a single hotel. Okay. Like it was a privately owned. I don't know if it's privately owned or I don't know the ownership, but it was, it's like the only one of them that I know of. And how was the staff? We barely saw them. <laughs> Like when you walk in the front door, like there's no one even at the front desk. You go ring a bell and, and like the door behind the desk just opens and someone comes out kind of thing. I don't know if they're just back there just chilling till somebody happens to come in. But the uh, cleaning staff, we had them, you know, we'd have to clean the rooms, have them clean the rooms so you can maybe every other day or so just to kind of get a refresh on towels and like empty the trash and stuff. And some of them like would do the kind of bare minimum. And then some of them would like give us new waters and like replace the little slippers and like reset the whole thing. So it kind of depended on who was cleaning it. Very interesting. Uh, I just, that, that whole thing, like, I don't know, I've stayed in a lot of hotels and that's always like, you have to be careful. Like you have to find somewhere that's got good reviews. First off, you got to stay in a hotel, not a motel. Like I can't. Right. The door opens to the outside to the parking lot. You're gonna get you're gonna get got. So <laughs> yeah. um, not maybe not in Japan, but uh, that's awesome, man. So was it like a key or was it like a key card? It was a RFID, like a, a tap to unlock the the thing, which was pretty cool. And like you, you'd have to um, tap. You know, when you get in the elevator, tap for it to activate the buttons to be able to go to the floors. So you couldn't get to the floor unless you had a key. And you had to do that to get in the front door as well. Okay, very smart. Very smart. So you got there, decent hotel, but you guys weren't really there just to stay in a hotel. So what you guys yeah, do? That's, 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 that's why we went with a kind of cheaper hotel is because we wasn't planning on being in there that much. So we just really needed somewhere to hold our stuff and kind of sleep and maybe hang out a little bit. Well, so I asked about the first day, So, but before that, one more time, one more thing on top of that. If you were talking to one of our listeners who was going to try the tourism route and go there, what would you say was where you guys stayed like readily, like a good accessible place, like the Northern side of, or, uh, Osaka. Yeah. Yeah. So staying where we stayed, actually, we both loved, and I would be all about staying in that area. If we were, if we were going to do another like Tokyo trip, I would be all about staying in that area as compared to somewhere like Shinjuku or Shibuya, which are much more like of a populous area or like, you know, more of the, the kind of metropolis downtown kind of vibe. They're much bigger, bigger, busier cities. 
and like to the point that it was like too much. Those were so both of those, depending on when you went, were a little overwhelming, especially, you know, being a, you know, mountain boy, you know, had didn't have an experience much big city life. So like being like shoulder to shoulder, just like tiptoeing through crowds as you're waiting, you're just kind of waiting through people, like trying to, to get where you're going and stuff. That was, that was a little like nerve wracking at times. I'm really good at waiting through people. I'm sure you are. You just move. <laughs> yeah. So, but yeah, the, that where we, where we were at, at it, it, it's like it's still city. You know, there's still like city vibes and stuff, but it still kind of had a sort of like more hometown kind of vibe to it. That it was like could be populous on the weekends. Like some, you know, the the touristy sites were obviously really packed and stuff, but you could walk five minutes in a direction and there wouldn't be anybody. So it was still like. It's so like a downtown to, Charlotte or something like that, where right. it is a big city, but you, there is, it's easy enough to like get away from a, a group of people or something like that. Right. You could still kind of just, you know, you didn't have to really wait too long for like restaurant things, to, you know, if you planned it right and you could still get to where you needed to go, do what you needed to do. So that was really, that was really nice. I definitely enjoyed Asakusa a lot. So in preparation for the trip, I know that you had walked around. We talked about it in one of our earlier episodes where you're planning on things. But just to go over it again, you have been using Google Maps to like mm. pre-plan some of your like walking around and getting around. How did that transfer over to practice? It was wild. It was kind of trippy and a few things to actually like step out of the hotel and see it in person. And I'm like, I've viewed this and walked this street so many times. And so... It wasn't long before we were walking down and I'm like, and this thing should be right here. And it was, and I'm like, and there's the mall that we were going to. And if we go right around the corner, there's the other store that we wanted to see. And I just like knew where stuff was. So that was, that was also really helpful just to kind of get a little bit of the lay of land, study the map a little bit where you're going to be at, you know, maybe just go a, a handful of blocks out quarter of a mile, half a mile or so. And just kind of like, yeah, virtually walk around in Google earth on the street view and I did that a good bit. And so it, it definitely was, that was one of the, the best preps, I think, too, just to, so it wasn't all brand new and we had no idea where we were going. And we ran into many tourists who were on that map, too, who just were like completely lost. And they're in like the train things, like looking at the complicated train map, just like, and then their phone, they're just like talking to each other, like they have no idea where they're going or what thing to do or just lost. And we were just like, yep, that's the train. We're just going to go hop on and here we go. That's awesome. Um, what were there, what was like the neatest little thing close to you guys where your hotel was? Is there, was there like a little, uh, seven 11 or what was there somewhere that you guys kind of like frequented the most? Oh yeah. So in Japan, they have three major convenience stores that are, you know, it, between the three of them, you can pretty much, there's few places you could stand on the street and not like, and turn 360 and not spot one of them. There's Lawson's, Family Mart, and 7-Eleven. And there's a lot of debate between a lot of people on which ones are better than which and whatnot. Um, we happened to go to Lawson's the most because it was just right at the end of our street. It was in, they're open 24 hours, all of them are. Um, so we went in there many times and we, and they had a ton of snacks that we really liked. So we, we definitely frequent that, you know, at least every other day or so, probably just to restock up on, you know, some snacks or just a couple little like quick breakfast item things. 
Did you? It, it was. It was really good. Did you bring any snacks back? I brought a good bit of snacks back. Ooh, that are all gone now. Oh man, I bet. <laughs> okay, so. I'm a- I meant to text you. I meant to text you while you were down there and be like, "Hey, you know, we should do like a snack tasting episode where you bring them to me." But right, we can and, maybe and, order some, and that would be a good thing. Yeah, and, and I kind of had planned that, but like, we didn't quite. We ran out of space. I got you as far as packing stuff. And and what we did bring back, we went over to my sister's house and had a evening with like my, my nieces and nephew and my mom and my sister and all them. We just kind of all sat around the table and tried a bunch of stuff. That's fun with the family and stuff. And so, and the kids really enjoyed that and they, they got a kick out of it. So what was um, your favorite Lawson snack? Oh my gosh. I, I found like, I, it was like the first day that I found my comfort food. It, it's a thing called a bomb kitchen. It's a type of like layered cake type of deal. Um, and they had a banana one. I know not your jam. Oh, gross. But dude, it was, it's one of the best things I've ever eaten. But the, these bomb kitchens, though, they, they come in like, they had tons of flavors. They had maple ones, which were really good. They had like apple, like some kind of apple crisp or apple cinnamon ones or something that were really good. Um, and so we tried a bunch of different one of those. They have pumpkin and they apparently have strawberry ones, but I never saw those. I was looking on the website to see if I could order some when I got back here because I would order like a crate of them but you can't order them. It's just like a catalog website that shows you what they have. Oh no. But I might have to make like a Japanese friend and have them just like ship me some over. Like I will pay good, good money to have someone ship me over some, some banana bomb kitchen from, and the specific store that's from is called Muji, M-U-J-I. And they're like the brand that makes them. And they are so good. Um, they also have these um, prepackaged, pancakes it was basically like two little pancakes with margarine and maple syrup in between them and you get like so it's a little pancake sandwich and you get two of those in a pack and those things were really good as well so we ate we had a good bit of those just little like to-go portable pancakes i posted so we kept up a little bit i was able to put a little bit of stuff on instagram um regarding your trip but obviously didn't cover the full 20 days by a long shot. Yeah, I've got I've got a lot on that I've got a lot more that I'm still kind of compiling and sorting through that I, I want to put up there here before too long. I'm excited. But you posted some souffle pancakes and where were those from? Oh, the like the thick fluffy ones? Yeah. Yes. Oh. I don't want any other pancakes ever again. Like I think about like you know, IHOP or some of those, you know, just the standard flapjacks or whatever you get here, Cracker Barrel or somewhere like that. I'm like, they all suck. Those are, those are junk pancakes in comparison. Like thick, fluffy pancakes is where it's at. I'm sold. But those were from a, we found a little breakfast place called Coffee Con. K-A-N, not C-O-N. It wasn't like a convention for coffee. Um, but Coffee Con, and we went there, I think, four or five times as well. Because it was one of those that like, we we went there, we understood how their system worked, how to order the food, which was you just scan a QR code on a thing and you order through an app and they just bring it to you, which they have that in tons of restaurants, which is amazing for a traveler, you know, not having to really talk to anybody. You can just do it yourself. But so we, we knew how their system worked. We knew their food was good. 
it wasn't too expensive. So we frequented it there a few times. That's awesome, man. Um, did you get souffle pancakes every time? Yeah, of course. That's awesome. I, I saw the strawberries. I sent that to one of my D and D groups that I play with on Fridays and they were like, Oh my God, we want them so bad. You do. They're yeah. amazing. Okay. So that was, that was close to your hotel as well. Yeah, that was uh, maybe 10 minute, 10 minute walk, 15 minute walk. Not, not very, not very far. Yeah, that's not you bad. You get there pretty quick. It's not bad at all. So day one, what's your itinerary? Well, night one, we were like starving. We were, you know, we needed some stuff. We just kind of got there. We were out of it. We were looking for food and we gravitated to the first thing we did recognize, which was Denny's. And there was a Denny's above a 7-Eleven kind of close to us. And we went there. And let me tell you, nothing like our Denny's. <laughs> yeah, I posted, I think, the menu on there, which looked pretty nice. And like uh, well, that menu that I sent, I, I didn't actually I didn't get to take a picture of the whole menu. That menu was just like a special like uh, muscadine grape parfait thing that they were doing a special deal of. The rest of their menu was like they had like spaghetti and like hamburger steak thing it was like nothing that you expect to see at denny's here they had no actual like breakfast items i wanted like to get like pancakes or like french toast and eggs and or bacon or some kind of something like that and they didn't have any of that do they have they none of those things do they have like american stuff it sounds like kind of not even really like because hamburger steaks are a pretty big thing over there like a japanese thing but they didn't have just like a hamburger like a regular cheeseburger or something they didn't have any of that that's fun. So what'd you wind up getting? I got like the hamburger steak and it wasn't bad. It wasn't great, but it wasn't bad. It was very, it was like, it, it, it did its job to make me not hungry. Were the waitresses there, like the old Denny's waitresses from uh, West? No. No, they weren't. So they, they we, were... we didn't really, we didn't even really have like, you don't have like a waitress. We just kind of like, yeah, sat down. I don't remember if there was an app in that one that you just scanned or like a, like a QR code or if they just kind of came by it, it was either like you scan it at a QR code or they come by and you just point <laughs> you're just like this and then they're like okay <laughs> and then they, they bring it to you um they need to have a waffle house there that's what they need I, I would if I could open a waffle house and sell like the regular waffle house waffles but also the like souffle pancakes yeah, but then you got what you. I just want the, them to have the experience of like you don't know if you're going to get robbed or you're going to be in a fight <laughs> or like you know whatever. The W flickers and it just says awful house. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so night one you went to Denny's. Fun. Yeah. Did we basically just like sustained ourselves and then ended up going to bed? So day one, what happened? What did you guys do? Let, because my memory sucks, let me get to my catalog of photos here and jog my memory. All right, so day one, day one we actually had went to Coffee Con and had the breakfast there. Um, and then we basically just walked around. Uh, near us, there's a big, like, four or five-story mall and then a few other stores around it that we just kind of explored and just kind of looked in some of the stores. Um, they have a clothing store there called Uniqlo. 
which we frequented a handful of times. My wife bought a handful of stuff from there. I got a a, a nice like a puffy jacket vest thing to wear over my hoodie that I like pretty good, like a down vest. Um, but she got like a bunch of jackets and some shirts and a little like a sling bag thing. They had a, a bunch of nice stuff in there though. Um, yeah, just kind of walked around there. We um, did go for lunch to Kurasushi, which was also one of our favorite restaurants we went to there. And it was amazing. So what'd you get? So in that, uh, for those who don't know, Kurasushi, there's, there's a couple in the U.S. There's like one in California, I think one in like Atlanta somewhere. And then there's, there's maybe one in New York or something. Um, but it's the revolving sushi bar. So it's a sushi bar that you go to and they have just a conveyor belt that constantly rotates around that if you see something you want, you can just grab it off. Or they have a tablet that has a bunch of things on it that you just press, you know, order. And it just says, it dings and it says your order has been received. And within a couple of minutes, it'll come sliding down on a different conveyor belt and you just take it off. And then when you're done, you know, it's, it's only like, you know, one or two pieces on the plate and they're just little plates. And when you're done, there's a slot in the table that you just, you know, slide the plate down and it disappears and goes back to the kitchen. And they charge you by the plate. Yeah. Well, each well, on the things on the tablet, each of them have different prices, but all the stuff on the revolving thing, it's just, you know, for the plate. They'd all be like the same, same cost. And you just get a plate charge basically. Okay, cool. So after lunch, you guys do. Yeah, that, they had some really good stuff there. Um, that was, I think we just continued to walk around and shop the rest of that day. And that was really, that was really about it for the first day because we were still kind of dealing with jet lag and just kind of getting our bearings on, you know, where we're at, what's around us, all that kind of stuff. So was there anything that like kind of took you by surprise that you wish you would have prepped for day one walking around out in the uh, sun there? Um, I know one of the things that I, I wish we would have prepped for, particularly for my wife, that she didn't prep for, and and like for a good reason. But we I wish we we had you know she had brought some shorts because it ended up being a lot hotter there than we expected it to be. Thought it expected it to be a somewhat similar temperature to it where it is here. But it definitely was warmer there, kind of like, you know, mid-80s, a good bit of the days and stuff. And she she is has a lot of tattoos, and so they're not big on tattoos, you know, in their culture and stuff because they tend to relate it to the Yakuza. Um, and so, like, they don't really, uh, come to find out, like, there wasn't really a big deal, and, like, the second half of the trip, she didn't cover them up and stuff, and it was we just kind of dealt with it. And you know, we if we we're on a train, you'd see some people kind of like looking her up and down, but you know, nobody said anything, nobody like refused service to us or any of that kind of stuff. And so she was kind of wishing that she would have brought some shorts, so because pants definitely made it kind of hot. But that was that was one prep thing to you know, still bring some shorts. Yeah, that's so as soon as you mentioned that, I was like, well, I wonder if so. You guys didn't get any flack over her tattoos, no. That's definitely a, definitely a good number of eyes, but I, I saw a ton of other tourists with tattoos and stuff as well that did, didn't care. Now, did 
you get any like positive stuff from that? Did like was you know you can't go and have your, no, your no, we didn't have anybody comment anything. So yeah, like we can't go anywhere here. We can't. We literally couldn't. We went through like a McDonald's drive-through, and they like stopped us and we're like, "Hey, can I see your tattoos and stuff?" And we're like, "We just want our food." And even like the, like this lady from the back of the thing came. It was like leaning out the window doing that, and the guy at the register even said like maybe they don't want us to show you. <laughs> and she still was like adamant about it and stuff. So it was nice to kind of not have pet people constantly pestering her because, you know, she, you know, sometimes she doesn't like talking about it, which is fine. Well, so did you guys were, were people very friendly in that area? Were people friendly enough? Did they, did you have a lot of issue with language barrier? So friendliness was extremely high. I mean, it's as a collective, it was they were the friendliest people I've ever interacted with in my life. You know, everybody is so like generously thankful for like everything that you like, or if you purchase something from them or, you know, for your service and stuff like, yeah, lots and lots of thank yous, you know, every time you do anything and whatnot, um, there definitely there was a few instances of language barrier you know we we tried to study up on some japanese we got some very basic stuff and it turned out that the kind of deal that ended up being made was because my wife was the one who essentially was able to work so much and save up to pay for the trip that because she paid for it i had to do all the talking makes sense and so i think she maybe talked to three people the entire trip other than me and so I just, I did all the talking any, anywhere else, which 99% of my talking was either saying thank you or yes. Well, did you make friends with any locals? No. You're supposed to make and friends it, with it, locals. It, Well, it, it would have been nice too, but it's, it, it's kind of hard. Like you can't really, it's hard to do that without being able to actually have a conversation or strike up a conversation with anybody. And so I will say if there was anything that I you know, if I could have prepped more for something, it would it would have been, you know, learning the language. Because, again, we, we made it through, and without really much hassle, there was a couple instances in some restaurants or stores trying to communicate something, and I'd have to, like, you know, pull out the Google Translate and kind of go a little back and forth with that sort of thing to get where we needed. But overall, you know, no real kind of hassle stuff. But I definitely saw many opportunities where if I could you know, conversate even somewhat simply in, in Japanese that it would have like paid off a good bit that it, it would definitely would have made things easier. So that's something that I definitely want to do before we, we go back is I want to become, you know, much more, you know, uh, fluent in it if possible. That's a good idea. Yeah. I, you know, in Europe, I think speaking English is kind of the standard. Like I follow a guy, who's a polyglot or whatever, where they, they speak so many different languages. Mm -hmm. And it's funny because sometimes he'll, he, he was in Italy and he was trying to speak Latin, like ancient Latin to like Italian speakers to see if they could just, yeah. them. and, um, more often than not, as soon as he started speaking like that, they would, they would not even go, the, they would speak a little bit in Italian and they would go to English and be like, are you, why don't, 
we just speak in English? It's like a very like <laughs> mid, yeah. like, le- like everybody kind of knows both things. Of course, the U S we're pretty bad about being able to speak more than one language. Whereas yeah. internationally people have, uh, you know, even places that p- people don't think about, you know, there's a lot of Irish Gaelic speakers. There's a lot of, you know, uh, Welsh speakers, but they'll also speak English. And then you've got all those other, you know, G- Germans and French and everybody speaks English. And, um, yeah, there was a couple places that kind of surprised me that like I'd go to order food or something and kind of was, you know, just, it's pretty simple. And then they would just be like, oh, do you need a bag? And so I'm like, oh, uh, uh, sure. And like, okay, well, like how many like sets of chopsticks and stuff? And I'm like, oh, well, I have two, please. Mm-hmm. And then it just suddenly became like, it, it, it's crazy how much like you just feel this kind of weight lifted. You're like, oh, okay. I can just like, you feel yourself kind of relax a little bit. You're like, I, I can actually talk to this person. They instantly become your therapist. You start telling them about your life. <laughs> talk to you. about the trip. Um, but yeah, definitely wish I knew more. So that's going to be a, a future goal of mine. What would be like the most important? Like if you were to dial it down for, um, if you were to dial it down for like our listeners, like how much like these are like the areas that you need to kind of learn. Japanese language what would be the most important where there's not a lot of crossover um I mean like learning like I, there's even videos on YouTube that I saw once I got back or, or I, I watched some of them there just to kind of learn like basically like what because there's a, there seems to be kind of like a set sort of interaction back and forth that happens at checkout counters like when you're at like in like a 7-eleven or you know, at just like a, a, you know, a mall or a clothing store or anywhere like that, that oftentimes there's this kind of repeated interaction that happens and kind of knowing what they're saying for that. Like a lot of times they have a thing in Japan now where, um, like you, they don't just give you plastic bags. Like if you need a bag or something, you have to pay for it. And it may be like the equivalent of like, uh, you know, 10, 15 cents, 25 cents or something kind of like that. But they it was often i think that they would, they would ask you do you need a bag and so i uh was like looking up you know what that was and i, I was listening to them and i would hear that they would you know i was, I was listening there's a, there's a thing in japanese where they end a you know if they, if it's got a question in in the sentence it ends with like deska it, it like ends with ka which kind of makes it a question and so they would say something and like, I don't know what the, the sentence really was, but I would hear them end it with Deska and, and that basically I would listen for that and that would key me in. And I'm like, all right, they're asking me for the bag if I, if I need a bag and then I would just, you know, answer yes or no. So I would just kind of listen out for that, but it would have been super useful to actually know what they were saying in that case. Um, some of that stuff would be really useful for sure. Just that general kind of, you know, checking out interaction or that. And then, you know, at restaurants being able to say, you know, I would like, you know, this or this kind of thing, being able to, you know, actually tell them, you know, what you want to eat would be pretty useful too. So what was like the big, when you guys were going over there, what was your like, the things that you had pre-planned. I know that there was like an art museum, which I think we talked about. And the- yeah. So on the second day we hit the first one of those, so we had a, like a handful of events. Yeah. That were like ticketed, like pre-bought stuff that we did. Um, we did one of those, the first one we did on 
Saturday after we got there, which was the Tokyo Sky Tree, which I think it's like the, technically like the tallest tower in the world, like tower being the key word. But we went and did that. Um, they have, and it's it's the tallest structure I think in Tokyo as well. Um, but that was that was pretty cool. They have observation decks at three hundred and fifty meters and four hundred and fifty meters, which is pretty high up there. Were there any issues with you guys going up there? Did you guys feel a little uh, nervous? She doesn't have any of that, but I have a lot of that. So it was, it was kind of, it was a little tough for me for sure. Like I even have the thing, like if when I was next to the tower, like down to the base and you turn and look up at it and, and that would kind of make me dizzy because you almost kind of see it like curving up above you. It was very, it's a very large imposing tower for sure. It's very kind of menacing. Um, and like they have the thing in the tower there where they have a section of glass floor that you can go stand on and like look straight down. She did that and took some pictures. I didn't do it because that freaks me out. Um, I'm not the biggest fan of heights. And it's, it's just because like it's, I, and I hate it because, but it just, it forces like a physical reaction in my body that I can't, I don't know how to control. Like just getting like dizzy and losing my balance. Like my equ equilibrium just goes haywire when presented with like heights and stuff. And I, like there's nothing I can do about it. So that's a little annoying, but it was pretty cool up there. We actually went twice in the day. We had a more an earlier like midday ticket. We went and it was definitely crowded as a tourist thing, but it wasn't like too bad. And we went into the Bosa observation decks and stuff and took a bunch of pictures. And then we came back at night at like seven for like a nighttime viewing, and that was way more crowded. And that took like forty five minutes just to exit because there was such a line to get out. And they were that was kind of nerve wracking, like for me being that high up in there and kind of being stuck, like I can't just leave that. I'm just tiptoeing and waiting through this line to get in that elevator to get out. And that started to like, I definitely started to get kind of anxious waiting in that line. So that was a little rough. And that, but that nighttime one definitely wasn't as fun. Is there like a restaurant up there or anything? Cause you know, like everywhere, like in America, yeah. everybody's got to have a restaurant in those tall buildings. They have, they have a little, they had like a little drink, kind of bar thing we could get some various drinks and some small stacks and then they had more of a actual cafe that had some maybe more food and stuff and then there was another area that had like a fancy restaurant there was like a you know a sky restaurant that was the more high-end sort of thing i didn't even like see we didn't you couldn't see in there it was like around like through this thing and around the corner so we couldn't really see it but they did have a like fancy sky restaurant up there as well how was, did you, but you didn't eat there, did you? No. I'm sure reservations are not easy to come. Yeah, I think it was reservation. And we also didn't take like any fancy clothes. So oh, dress, dress code. I, I don't know if it was, but I wouldn't have been surprised if it wasn't. So we didn't really look that far into that. Um, but yeah, we went and visited that the uh, first day. And then connected to that is an aquarium. So we went down and visited the aquarium, which was really cool. Um, they had a bunch of jellyfish. I saw jellyfish like variants that I had I didn't know existed and I've never seen before. So that was pretty cool. 
And then uh, later we also went in and visited the Sensoji Temple, which is kind of the main attraction in Asakusa. And is that a Shinto shrine-like area? Yeah, yeah. It's like a, like a, a big shrine. There's the Kaminariman Gate out front that has like the big, the really big Japanese lantern and it has the two kind of deities at the front kind of guarding it. And then through that is a like really long street um, that has little t- shops, little stalls and shops along either side of it, like all the way down. It's, it's, it's like the tourist tourist row of, of shops and things that leads down to the Sensoji Temple. And there's a, like a five-story pagoda next to it as well, which is pretty cool. Um, but we went there a handful of times too and got some souvenirs and different things. And I, would, I went a couple times at night and got some pretty cool photos and stuff that I'll post as well. And I bet hopefully everybody was there. There wasn't like this typical American person that was like being loud and obnoxious. Oh, uh, there was the definitely those at the shrine. Oh yeah. Oh, we ran into a few of the, the tourists like that. Like that was one of the things that really noticed too is, you know, after two, you know, after week and a half, two weeks of being there, you know, we kind of get, we kind of got the customs down as far as like when you're on a train, you know, everybody's pretty much silent. And like, we know, like when you go on the train, like where you stand at and kind of like, like what you do, like what the kind of routine it is and what everybody else does. And so it was very obvious when there was somebody who didn't know any of that stuff. And like there was one lady who was sitting on like the bench seats and just had her hat set next to her, like taking up a seat. And there's like older, like ladies and older men just like standing there kind of like crouched over, like holding on to this rail while the trains flop around, she's just sitting there with her hat in the seat. And eventually somebody like got her to move it so somebody could sit down. But like, that's like frustrating for us as like tours. I'm like, you're, you're making the tourists like look bad. So that was annoying. And then there was another case where there was three older people basically standing like, like the, the, the doors, you know, open up. And they're they're not very wide. It's like, you know, a couple people wide, maybe three people wide to get in and out. But there's, you know, at certain stops, there's a lot of people coming and going. And these three people, there's this one older dude who was like hanging on to one of the little handles that you hold on to and just kind of like swinging on a little bit, kind of just hanging there. And they were all three of them just chatting really loud on the train. But when it would stop, the doors would open and he wouldn't move. And he would, he was basically in the middle of the path of the doors. And so people were like having to squeeze and like go around him and stuff. And he didn't move out of the way for people to get on and off of the train. So that was also like secondhand annoying for sure. So we saw a lot of frustrating things like that. But, you know, what can you do? Uh, yeah, I guess you can't punch them there. You know, that's one of those things that I, a lot of people hopefully don't have to deal with is, but being locked up abroad in Japan is not, uh, not something that you want on your bucket list because they, no. their conviction rate is like 99%. Mm. And, um, they will like keep you in solitary confinement and like, or like you can only sit in two different ways, like cross-legged or like a Japanese style is what they call it, where you're on your knees. Uh, like a samurai sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. You're sitting back on your heel and they like, that's, that's the only two ways you can sit. 
and they will like deprive you of stuff until you finally confess to it. And then if you're a tourist, you're going to do like the time there and then they'll release you. Like they don't play around. Yeah. <clears throat> so we made sure to abide by any laws and, and stipulations and not be peer pressured in anything. Cause we didn't want to go through that. Yeah. I definitely wouldn't want to either. That would be, that'd be terrible. Um, did you get to see like any of their like emergency services or anything down there? Or? We saw a couple, uh, ambulances go by from from place to place i don't i think we maybe saw one fire truck and they weren't even they're were just driving they weren't like going to anything and then i saw a couple cop cars but none of them again like active or like going to a scene or anything like ambulances were the only things that we saw like running code to something their cop cars are like weird over there because they're like they almost it's hard to say what they look i think they're cool they look they, yes they are cool but they look like they look kind of retro as well. Yeah, they're they're very retro, very kind of pointy towards the front. I saw a thing where like the firemen. It's just so interesting how the firemen over there are so much de- just I guess the structure of everything, like just working in general, and the firemen were uh like all the stuff that they were doing just in a day. You know, they weren't just getting up and cooking and hanging out until they got a call. Like they were right. They were doing constantly training constant 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 like the whole time and it was just yeah. very interesting so but and apparently yeah 90 percent of the the police like what they do over there 90 percent of what they do is giving directions i can believe i believe that yeah yeah i believe that 100 percent. what was the crime was so low there that there was i forgot it's like a it's, it's a point zero one percent crime rate or something like yeah, where we were at it's really stupid. Like I can't remember there was an article on it, like how there was so little crime that they were just trying to come up with new things for the police to do in certain parts of, of Japan. Mm. Which is, yeah. And I got to say, that was definitely one of my favorite wild things. Especially when you see that big. Yeah. And like being able to just walk around in a city at night down like side alleyways and even like the whole trip. And I didn't feel one instance of like, sketchiness like the it was wild to just yeah be in in a city in downtown and night and walk around at night and all these places and just feel so like comfortable and at peace and not any kind of anxiousness from just you know weird sketchy people or anything like that we even saw like we saw a couple homeless people but unlike the ones we have here like they completely like keep to themselves kind of just in their corner or like on the side of the street and they don't like hassle anybody or ask for stuff or anything like that. They're just in an unfortunate situation. So what was your next thing on your like big itineraries? Dude, like I know Tokyo Disney was one thing. I think you know, you guys yeah, went to this too. Yeah. A few days later. Yeah. We eventually yeah, went to Tokyo Disneyland, which that was my first time ever being to a Disneyland, which I think was kind of cool that my first time to Disney was in Tokyo. Um, but that was that was like what that was definitely crowded what you'd expect at a Disney World. But even though it was really crowded, it they still kind of like it seemed like everything functioned the same, like or like it should have. Like it wasn't too you know overly crowded. Like things still moved, and like they, they there was a lot of like traffic like direction from the staff there and stuff. Um, at one point, we did get held up in in this kind of queue because the big parade came through. And that took, you know, that took a little while for all the parade to come through for them to finally let us continue moving. Um, But unfortunately, my wife was so short, she didn't get to see any of it. So, 
I stood there watching the parade while she was just kind of behind people. Yeah. Um, so that was a little unfortunate. Like I know definitely like, you know, like taller people definitely pun intended, I guess, definitely stand out in certain places. Just culturally there's, you know, yeah. obviously there's some huge Japanese people. You know, I saw, I saw a few people that were like definitely my height or a couple taller and stuff, but you could definitely tell the average height was, you know, a, a little smaller for sure. And then there was a handful of people like that you could tell were older, older people that like up in their like seventies, eighties, maybe even nineties, like these little old ladies and stuff that were so that they were like the height, the difference between my wife and me, like us standing next to each other was like between her and them, which is insane. Cause how, which is crazy. You're what? Six, two. Yeah, I'm 6'2", and, like, my wife is, like, 5'2". There's, like, a foot difference between us. Yeah. And so they were probably pushing, like, 4'2". That's insane. Yeah. But imagine, imagine somebody that much shorter than your wife is weird. Yeah. And, like... Uh, did you do any rides or anything at Tokyo Disney? Um, we did... Neither one of us are really rides people. Um, she might be a little more than me, but... Unfortunately, like, the one ride she wanted to do, Splash Mountain, had, like, a two-hour wait or something. Ugh. And it was kind of hot out there. And so we just didn't, we, we didn't like, she wanted to go, but not enough to wait two hours in a line to go. I can understand that. And so, but, and like a lot of them were like that, but for some reason, then we went over and they had star tours, like the star Wars thing. Ooh. And there wasn't a line at all. Really? Yeah. I don't know if they're just not as into star Wars as us or something, but. Yeah, we went over there and we walked right in and just walked right up to the line and got in the thing, got in the queue right outside the doors for the ride. I like we waited maybe five minutes. And what was that ride like? That, I gotta say, was actually really fun. Um, actually, I don't know if you've seen it or not, but like that, basically you get in a little capsule that's to simulate like a spaceship. Um, and you know, in reality, this thing's just like on axes that just rock, rock and rotate and just jostle back and forth, but you have 3d glasses and there's a big like movie screen in front of you. So what you're feeling like is you're in a spaceship, like flying through space and down through like Batu and, uh, Tatooine and, and Coruscant and all these other places. And the way that they like matched up the movement with like going into hyperspace and stuff it started to trick your brain a little bit and it was, it was pretty crazy ride. I got to say, but it was super fun. I really enjoyed that one. What kind of ship were you in? I don't, I don't know exactly. Cause we were from the inside cockpit view. So I couldn't really, I don't, and, and any of the talking that happened was all in Japanese and there was no subtitles or anything. So I'm not really sure what all they said, if they mentioned what kind of ship it was. So I don't know. It seemed like it was some kind of little, like, maybe transport vessel of something. It had high-speed capabilities, so. Get but, that. Get, did you get your, get your HOTAS set up and try to really take it for a ride? I mean, and it's funny you mention that because I've actually been looking at those lately. Because I've, I've, I think I had mentioned to you uh, the other day just that I kind of was am tiptoeing again back into Star Citizen a little bit. And kind of just playing around, kind of learning it and stuff, and I I realized that that the flight of that could definitely definitely be much more enjoyable and accessible using a Hotas setup. So 
we're on the eve of Black Friday and Christmas and things, so we'll see what kind of sales happen in the next couple of weeks. But I've got my eye on one in particular, so we'll see if something happens in that realm. But because I think it would be pretty fun to to play with that. Yeah, that's awesome. So, uh, did you get? Was there any good food or anything Tokyo Disney? Um, we ate at one restaurant, but I it wasn't really great. Like I had like a pork cutlet thing, but it wasn't really it wasn't really anything spectacular to write home about. I guess. So yeah, the food was kind of just okay, but that, that's all we had there. Um, we didn't spend all day there, but we we spent you know a handful of hours for sure walking around. But eventually, just kind of got too hot, and we were both over it, <laughs> so we left. Any tips for our Tokyo Disney visitors? Mm, no, I, I honestly I can't think of. I think it just being my first time, I'm, I'm not. I'm not the person for Disneyland tips. That makes. I will. Sense. I will admit that. I. I. Yeah. I was. Like, we. We didn't really do much stuff either, besides kind of walking around. So. I wouldn't really have much advice to give. I don't think. It'll be interesting when we get up, hopefully later this week, with our our D and D resident Disney guy, and uh, yes, I'm sure that'll be fun to talk about that together. Um. So all right. So yeah. Go ahead. I was just going to say, I, I did pick him up a couple of souvenirs from there, though, that I know that they'll be oh, excited about. Very good, man. Uh, so then tell me about the zoo. How was that? Because I, I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of a sucker for zoos sometimes. Oh, yeah. So um, kind of near us, a little west of where we were staying is a, a park called Ueno Park. And it is huge. So not only does it have the zoo in it, but that's also the place where like the National History Museum is, the Nature and Science Museum, along with there's there's I think there's like five or six different museums in this park. And and the Ueno Zoo. So that zoo I think might be one of the best zoos I've ever been to. If if not the best zoo. They had a ton of stuff and it was it was so huge that like we went in and we were walking through and stuff and we walked around this whole thing and saw like a bunch of these animals and all this stuff. And in my head, I was like, you know, after we saw all we saw, I was like, you know, comparing to other zoos I went to, I'm like, that zoo was pretty good. I was like, I think that zoo, you know, it was, you know, maybe a little bigger than the ones I had went to other places, but like, it was like comparable, if not, you know, a little better than the zoos I went to. And I was like, you know, in my head, ready to leave and stuff. And we started to walk up this ramp and I kind of said something about maybe getting food. And my wife was like, what are you talking about? And then like pull out the map. And I had completely forgotten that we only did half of it. <laughs> <laughs> we were only halfway, like it had, it was split into two sections and so we were only halfway done with the zoo and we had to go through the whole other half. And so that whole other half had like the giant pandas and the elephants and the rhinos and the hippos and, gorillas and all this other stuff that I I could completely forgot that there was a whole other section of it. So yeah, it was way bigger than any other zoo I had been to with a whole bunch of stuff in it. That's awesome, man. Yeah, but we 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 did get a glimpse at the giant pandas which there was four of them there. There was like two adults and then two babies. We didn't get to see the babies because those also had like an hour wait to see them. Makes sense. Yeah. Cuz they're apparently a big deal. Um 
but we got a glimpse of like the the giant pandas like they were just kind of like one of them was kind of behind this mound and there was like a row of people in front of the glass like waiting for it and then eventually it just kind of stood up and just slowly walked up the hill and you know everybody starts taking pictures all the cameras are going off and it kind of stood there for a second and like let the pictures be done and then just turned around and walked right back down the hill and like laid back down that's funny so it was like all right i'll let you take the pictures and now i'm going back to bed so he was very lazy but it, it was cool um, um, but yeah, the, the zoo was, was really, really cool. There was, I guess, some kind of like field trip for an elementary school there or something, but, uh, we both thought it was, it was pretty cute and also a really good idea that like they had the different classes of these little kids, you know, they're like toddlers and stuff, but each, you could t- tell the classes apart because each class, they all had matching hats. Like there was one class that all had blue, like blue bucket hats. And then another one that had all yellow and another one had all red. And we're like, that's a genius idea to, to, you know, keep, to tell who all's in your class with these little kids and like keep them with you and keep them all organized. And they all had like matching backpacks and stuff. And so like, there was a lot of like cute gushing from the little kids in their matching hats and backpacks and stuff. That's fun. That's a lot of fun. I I've seen that, you know, there's that one like old enough show I've told you about before where it's like two and three year old, four year olds up to five or six year olds, like going on their first errand. And you can definitely tell there's a lot of that kind of thing where they put them in little matching things to help pick them out wherever they're going. It's super cute. Yeah. So we thought that was pretty smart. And it was one of those things that like, again, like, of course they have their systems that people abide by and they just work. And that was definitely a theme throughout the whole trip and something that I'm very jealous and already miss. And just the, the fact that their society, that they have these systems in place and people follow them. And because of that, they work like you would expect them to and like they should. And it just makes things flow so smoothly and so efficiently. And I feel like there's hardly any of that here. And it's, it's like frustrating. Uh, talking about the... Um, in talking about the the zoo, it just reminded me of, and this is just my only contribution to this show, this episode really is, uh, if you guys are looking to find, to buy like kind of neat little trinkets or whatever, I found, I, I found this website that sells like uh, all kinds of like ancient coins and all this other stuff, like museum kind of pieces. And so mm-hmm. I actually bought my son a Spinosaurus tooth um, on there. Yeah, like a Spinosaurus tooth, like in a thing. It's called ancientartifacts.shop. I've already got the thing and everything. Like it's already come and been shipped to me, and I got it today, actually. So, um, oh, that's cool. Yeah, it's pretty cool, man. Like, I don't know. It's just pretty neat. But it has, there was like some, I saw some ancient Japanese coins from like the Edo period or whatever yeah. on there. And uh, not not terribly uh, expensive either. Like the Spinosaurus tooth set me back like $55, which is, it's a Spinosaurus tooth. It's pretty cool. Yeah. And he loves them. So yeah, I'll have some, uh, some pictures to, we went to, to the nature and, uh, nature and science museum. Um, and they had one floor there that was just dinosaurs. Oh, that's awesome. Which was, all, it was that was the coolest part of that whole museum. And I'll have to, when I upload those pictures, you'll have to show those uh, to your son because he'll get a kick out of them because some of those were really cool. Oh, that I was know. one of my favorite parts about that whole museum stuff was seeing all the dinosaur stuff. 
Heck yeah. So yeah, man, we are, we're cruising into just a few, like not much time here with you and your time in Japan. I think uh, it's, oh, wow, yeah. A two-parter, I think. At least. Yeah, I think I think it might be a two-parter, maybe a three-parter. We'll see how far we get, but uh, yeah, I think we'll have to call it for today about hitting time. So yeah, we'll wrap up here. Um, obviously, I'm, I'm glad to be back. It's good to talk to you again. I'm excited to, you know, get back into this and get the episodes rolling out. I've also, you know, had a lot of contemplating and planning on my trip. I've got some some ideas for some things that I want to, you know get in the flow it, it may be you know the new year before they get really fleshed out but i may experiment you know in the upcoming weeks we'll see but you know obviously we'll let you know on some of our social platforms on if anything cool is happening um mm-hmm. which those obviously you can check us out on instagram is one of the best ways you know at geek etc podcast um which you know you handle a lot of the, the posts that go on there and stuff um but i'll obviously once I get my picture sorted out, I'll have a good bit of stuff to put up there here, hopefully here soon. Um, you can check out our YouTube at, you know, search at geeky TC podcast on there. And if you want to listen to the shows on there, we you know we have them available on all the popular podcast platforms, but a lot of people listen to stuff on YouTube. So we post them up there as well. Um, I've got a couple ideas for some other, you know, separate, you know, non-podcast content that I'm, we might be putting up there. Uh, I'll talk about, that with you offline you know here at some point Ooh, some ideas i had um but yeah so hopefully we can get some of that in the work um yeah oh uh also if you if you like what you hear if it's a little out of turn because it's been so long since i've done with these um if, if you're enjoying what you're hearing and you know you would like to help support what we're doing you know, and help, you know, kind of fund our mission to bring you all things geek related, you can go to patreon.com slash geek ETC podcast. And you can join our crew there for, you know, a couple bucks and uh, get access to our discord. You can come on there and chat with us. All right. Um, but yeah, I think we'll call it there for today and hit you up with a, a part two here soon. Yeah, it's good to get back in the saddle. Remember, geeks fight better together and you guys rock. We're sorry about the Time is taken, but there's been a lot of stuff IRL that's come up, and we are not full-time you know, professional dudes. So we are going to start putting some more content out there, and we are super excited uh, to be back on In Your Ear Holes. Very much so. And with that, keep geeking out.